Guten Erev Shabbos to our friends and members of the West Manshul. Uh, winter is definitely coming upon us and the weather's getting colder. It's getting harder to get around. And none of us are in the mood for what the first word of our Parsha is. The first word of our Parsha is Vayetze, to go out. So in spite of the fact that the weather seems to be one of staying indoors, the Parsha is telling us Vayetze. And let's look at that first Pasuk. Vayetze Yaakov mi Be'er Shova. And Yaakov went out from Be'er Shova. And he went to Haran. All the commentaries ask the obvious question. At the end of last week's Parsha, we already were told that Yaakov was sent away and he left Beersheba and he went to Haran. So Rashi gives us a very logical answer because if you look at the end of the Parsha, he was sent, Yaakov was sent by his parents, but then the Parsha continues with one more little point. It says, Esav saw now that Yaakov was sent away to Haran to find a wife. So Esav saw that his parents were not that happy with Canaanite wives whom he had married earlier. So Esav now went to Yishmael and married Yishmael's daughter. So there's a bit of an interruption between the story of Yaakov leaving. So at the end of the Parsha, a few psukim before the end, Yaakov is sent. And then we're interrupting the flow of the story that Esau saw that and therefore he went and got himself a wife from Yishmael. And now to get us back on track, we start the Parsha by reviewing the idea that Yaakov went from Beersheba and went to Haram. That's what Rashi says. So many commentaries ask, and certainly the uh, Pardes uh, Yosef um, asks the same question over here. He says, uh, why indeed did we interrupt the flow? <laughs> okay, who cares about Esau? So Mary, Esau married Ishmael's daughter. Fine, but we're talking about Yaakov leaving. So let's just continue with the story. You want to tell me who Yaakov of Esau married? At the end of uh, next week's Parsha, we're going to know all about the life of Esau anyway. We get into all his wives and mention it over there. Why do I have to interrupt the flow? That's an amazing question. And he gives the Be'er Yosef, not the Pardes Yosef, the Be'er Yosef. Rav Yosef of uh, Salant. So he explains with the following Gemara and Sanhedrin, Kuf Zion Amid Aleph. David HaMelech said before Hashem, how come we say in the davening, Elokei Avram, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov, and why don't we say Elokei David? And Hashem said, because those I tested them, and you I have not tested. Okay, then there's a whole story, David says, so test me, but we don't have to go any further than that. So, the question is, God said they were tested. Well, Avram certainly was tested with ten tests. Yitzchak, uh, there's many ways we can describe that test, either the Akedah, or we could say the fact that he was tested, as we said in last week's Friday night and Shabbos morning class, that he was tested to uh, accept that Yaakov got the bracha. But the real question is, what is the test of Yaakov? 
Where has Yaakov been tested? So he makes a very interesting, uh, Salant says the very interesting answer. He says, Yaakov was tested with the question that many of the greats have struggled with, Moshe, Osof, Chavakuk. As Gemara says, Why do you have a tzaddik that bad things happen to him? And a Russia has good things. And the Gemara discusses some answers to that, but here the question is very stark. Let's take a look at this. There are two brothers, Yaakov and Esav, and they're very much the same. They are each the child of a tzaddik, so we can't say sometimes someone's a tzaddik, but his father's a Russia, therefore he suffers. They're identical that they both were parents had tzaddikim. Okay, they were twins. And uh, we know uh, there's other answers. Sometimes a Russia has good things because he's not a total Russia. And sometimes a tzaddik has suffering because he's not a total tzaddik. But here, Yaakov is a total tzaddik. Esav is a total Russia, and here the classic answers of the Gemara don't apply. We say, well, maybe he's not such a big tzaddik, or maybe he's not such a big Russia, or maybe there was a different history. But they have the exact same history. Everything, everything is the same. And but there's total opposite. Yaakov is a one hundred percent tzaddik, and Esav is a one hundred percent Russia. Okay. So now let's see the difference in the life between Esau and Yaakov. Esau lived a life of complete tranquility. He did whatever he wanted to, and you know what? There was no uh, punishments, no law and order. He wanted to kill someone to take his money, he killed them. He wanted to rape someone for his pleasure, he raped somebody. He would steal, he would do everything. He did every other in the book, and there were no consequences, and he lived a wonderful life. He had whatever he wanted. Yaakov, on the other hand, once he listens to his mother, which is Kibere, and steals the bracha, his life is one filled of misery. Living with Lovin for 20 years, that miserable person, and throughout his life, Yaakov has a number of difficult situations in life. His reuniting with Asa was very scary. The abduction of Dina, the loss of Yosef. Yaakov's life seems like one of complete misery. And Asav is one of complete tranquility. And now specifically right now, Yaakov is 63 years old. He does not have a shidduch yet. Esav, on the other hand, at 40, married two women. And now Yaakov, Yaakov is sent now for a shidduch. How easy does the shidduch go for Yaakov? Well, he goes, he has a lot of money with him. His father gives him a lot of money. But before he's able to get to Haran to come with his money, Esau's grandson, Eliphaz, takes all his money and barely leaves Yaakov alive. Yaakov comes penniless, and now who is going to be the person that he's going to have to negotiate a marriage with? Lavan, the biggest scoundrel in the world. 
and the whole challenge of the Shidduch. He wants a Shidduch. He has to work seven years for Rachel. And he works seven years for Rachel. And then what happens? He gets, he gets switched around for Leah. So he marries the one he doesn't want. And now he's told you're going to work another seven years for Rachel. Would you say that he had an easy time with Shidduchim? How many of us would feel, especially if you're 63 already, you're an alter bacher, and really he spent 14 more years in shame labor. He was 77, now he's looking at his first shidduch. And it took him seven years till he finally would get the shidduch, and then he's fooled, and then he has to go another seven years. I would say he suffered a lot and had a lot of trouble with shidduchim. Esau, on the other hand, he married two women just like that. And then when he sees that his parents are not happy with Canaanite women, we don't see Esau has any problems. He just quickly goes to Yishmael and says, I'll marry your daughter. And he marries the daughter and finished. No problem with Shaduchim at all. So this is the quintessential question of Tzadik Veralo for Russia Vitovlo. Yaakov, he's a tzaddik, and look how much he suffers. And Esau's the Russia, he's got no problems. He gets a shidduch right away. Therefore, what the Torah is doing, yes, we didn't have to mention anything about Esau, but the Torah is trying to show you the contradistinction between how easy life was for Esau and how difficult life was for Yaakov. We say this also in the Haggadah. The Haggadah, when we talk about, when we start reading, you know, in the beginning our fathers were idol worshippers. And then it talks about the Pesach, it says, we read in the Haggadah, and I took your father Avram from over the river and made him walk in all the land of Canaan. And I increased in seed, I gave him Yitzchak. And I gave to Yitzchak, Yaakov, and Esau, and I gave to Esau, Mount Seir, in order that he inherited. And Yaakov, his sons, went down to Egypt. Again, we see this idea. Esau gets his piece of land right away, and Yaakov trying to keep going around. This was the test of Yaakov. It wasn't just a one-day test. It was many years. There's much more depth to the test, but for the purpose of what we're talking about, I think we've described it enough. That is the, the great test of Yaakov. He's a tzaddik, and he suffers. And right next to him, his brother has it so great. And this is what Hashem is answering David HaMelech. That David HaMelech, even though he went through Tzoros, but it wasn't for nothing. There wasn't so much others who were so much worse than him that had so much better. And, and Yaakov and David had certain averis that caused him to sin. So he never really had to put up with such a test. While Yaakov indeed had to put up with a test. And that's why the Torah interrupts the storyline to show you that Yaakov now goes to Har. And this is what he has to endure. So despite the fact, so the verb Vayetze, and he went out, teaches us that despite the fact that Yaakov could have had complaints to Hashem and questioned the fairness of the relative difficulty he was having in finding a marriage partner, he nevertheless didn't question it. That's what the Bar Yosef says. However, you have to ask one more question. 
How do we know that Yaakov did not bemoan his lot? How do we know he willingly accepted what Hashem had in store for him? We just see, okay, this is the Sabbath. How do you know Yaakov was okay with it? So if Matusio Salomni should be well, gives the following answer. If we look in the Haftorah of this week's Parsha, it describes what actually happened to Yaakov a bit more bluntly. And it says, Vayivrach Yaakov, and Yaakov fled to the field of Aram. It was not really, as we see in this week's Parsha, Vayetze Yaakov, implying that he leisurely left Beersheba. It was Vayivrach Yaakov. Yaakov was fleeing for his life. Even in the Torah itself, Rivka said to Yaakov in last week's Parsha, go, you have, it doesn't say have a nice trip. She says, arise, run for your life. Kum brach lecha. That was the actual situation. And that's what the Navi says. But the question is, how did Yaakov view the event? It says, Vayetze Yaakov. And Yaakov went out from Beersheba. Vayelech, and he journeyed to Haran. He went at his own pace with confidence that God would watch over him. And this is the key to Yaakov's existence in Gullus. It may appear like he had to run for his life, and may he may in fact have run. But sometimes you can run with an equanimity, knowing that you'd be protected by Hashem. And it's that faith that stood him during his exile. And that's the faith that stands for us. In truth, he did flee for his life. Rivka saw what was happened. She knew that Yaakov was in mortal danger of remaining calm. And she says, heed my voice and flee. So both Sukkim are really too. True. In the Navi, he was, and Rivka said, he was running for his life. But he didn't perceive it as such. He perceived that this was part of God's plan. He perceived that as much as he was running, it was as if God was saying, Yankala, now we need to go to the field of Aram, and this is where you're going to find your marriage partner, and I'm leading you. And even though objectively he was fleeing, but he perceived it to be a departure of dignity and purpose, which did not present cause for worry or anxiety. And therefore, there's really no difference in any of our life's journeys. Whether we have a pillar of fire at night that leads our way as was the exodus of Egypt, or whether the journey resembles any of the other numerous journeys we've taken in the Gullus over the last thousands of years, it's always the same. Whether it's obvious or not, Hashem is always leading us by the hand. And perhaps we should have this kavana. The next morning we get up and make our standing brachas. One of the brachas we says is, Blessed are you, Hashem, King of the Universe, Hamechin mitzadei gover, who prepares the steps of man. What does that mean? What are we thanking Hashem? We're saying to Hashem before we start our day, we know that we are always supposed to be in a certain place at a certain time, and God sees to it that this will happen. And this was Yaakov Avinu's unbelievable believable confidence and emunah and Hashem that allows Yaakov to take everything in stride and all the trials and tribulations that confronted him in finding a marriage partner and everything else in his life. He always had the attitude that he could maintain a sense of calm and dignity represented by the word Vayetze. He departed in an orderly manner.
during a situation that objectively amounted to Vayivrach fleeing for his life. They tell the story of Rav Elimeir Blach, Sechron Levracha, who saw the Tel's yeshiva in Europe burn to the ground with his own eyes and with virtually all of his students at the hands of the Nazis, Yamach Shemot. So the Tel Yeshiva in Europe and all its students were destroyed. Two of the Rosh Yeshiva, Rav Elio Meir Bloch and Rav Motel Katz, were miraculously spared. And Rav Elio Meir finds himself in the United States as a refugee at the beginning of the 1940s. He lost his family. He lost everything. But he immediately decided he was going to start a Yeshiva. And they chose Cleveland, Ohio. And some people argued with him. They said, how can you start a new yeshiva? You're fresh off the boat. You're a refugee. You cannot start a new yeshiva in a strange country, in a strange land. And Rebellion responded that when the future King David did not know whether King Shaul was about to kill him or not, he made a sign with the King son Yonasan, which is the famous Haftorah of Mocher Chodesh where he's going to shoot the arrows and David will be on the side hearing what happens. And David says, if you say to the boy, behold, the arrows are beyond you, then go, lech, for this is a signal that Hashem has sent you away. That's what Yonasan is saying. If you say the arrows are behind you, then go. Says Rebellion Mayor, the puzzle does not say it's a signal that you should barach, flee, but rather lech, go. For this is a signal that Hashem has sent you away. Meaning to say, this is part of your mission from the Almighty. This is part of God leading you by the hand and telling you this is where you're supposed to go. This is all part of the pillar of light that leads you at night and it may not be readily perceived as such and things may be look bleak, but in the truth it's all the same. David HaMelech, although he did never did anything wrong to deserve that anger that Shaul had for him, but still in all, when you know it's time to leave, you leave with confidence, even in the bleakest of situations, because you're secure in the faith that Hashem is leading you in an appropriate direction. And that's what Eli Mayer said. He never dreamed in his life that he'd end up in the United States of America, a virtual cesspool spiritually compared to what life in Lita and Tells was. But that was his role and that was his mission. And by the late, early 1960s, Tells Yeshiva was a marquee yeshiva because Reveli Meir knew that this is his shlichus, this is his mission. So therefore, as we come into the uh, real challenging days of winter where it's getting colder, it's getting harder to go out. Some of us say, oh, it's too cold. I can't make it to shul. Circumstances are beyond my control. Or even if we do, we're upset about it. It's windy, it's cold, it's snowy, it's rainy, it's this and that. And that's just minor things. They're much bigger things. What about those of us who have children who are waiting for shidduchim and they're not coming easily? And there are wonderful girls and boys who deserve to have an amazing shidduch. And there's other people who are more 
I don't know what the word to say, less spiritual, and you just, you know, you enjoy having relationships with other people of the opposite sex without all the religiosity to it and seem to be enjoying your life. And while all the frum boys and girls are facing the challenge of, of, of the difficulty in the world of Shidduchim, which is so hard nowadays. You could be waiting for days and never getting a call. And it's a challenge. But we have to know that even those things, it's vayetze. We go in these situations with dignity. What if you're an honest working person and you're getting laid off or your business is falling apart or you're a very good Jewish person and you're coming into sickness? All these challenges and all these other people. Why are these other people having it so great and, and you're having all these problems? Why are the evil people doing so well, making so much money in this recession while well, we are barely able to put things together and are challenged with this? We can either say, oh, life is miserable and I have, I'm forced to be in these situations and I wish I wasn't in this situation. Or we can go with dignity and know Hashem is leading us in the most beautiful path. May Hashem bless us that no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in this winter, we should know that it is always Vayetze, not Vayivrach, and certainly not, uh, you know, uh, going slowly and unhappy and grouchy and all these other things. Know that Hashem is planning the most beautiful path for us. He's giving us the greatest shlichus. The challenge is to embrace that shlichus to be happy with that shlichus, to even sing with that shlichus, because every one of these shlichus is meant to bring us to Mashiach, that you come bimhera of the Amenu Amen. Have a beautiful Shabbos.